Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. A successful entrepreneur knows that the greatest ROI on any new venture is the experience gained from trying. My name is Thomas. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking today? I am drinking a beer that, that perfectly describes me. It is called Apex Predator. <laughs> 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 Don't flatter yourself. <laughs> you're you're not impressed. <laughs> I recall totally destroying you in Small World a couple mm. months ago. That's true. I'm not sure how apex you are, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I thought at first you were just gonna say I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> just just it, what it's called, beer. I'm a predator, man. Can you imagine a grocery store? With no marketing or brand names or anything like that, like you go in and the beer is just a white box that just in like block letters, beer. I feel like and that's the, in like 1984, the book or something, or like the or the. Did you ever read uh, the Giver? I um, who wrote that? Who wrote the Giver? I, I remember the guy who wrote it, but everything is in black and white for everybody. But if really? you're special, you could see in color, and it's like this whole thing that's. Uh, it was I a really good book. I wrote The Giver, but I think that was like one of the really popular books when I was in elementary school. Yes, I, I was like and in yeah. Little unfortunately, school. I can't remember a lot of the books that I read when I was in elementary school. Like I remember I read like um, the Haddock's books. I forget what those are called. I remember I wrote or read uh, like Hatchet and like all those ones. But I think The Giver is the one I skipped. Mm. All the super popular books in the library. I'll I'll be uh I'll be I'll be frank with you. Um, <laughs> I, you you wanted to make the pun, and you're like, should I make the pun? I'm gonna make the pun. <laughs> I'm doing it anyways. Uh, <laughs> I actually didn't read the book. I was I was so young. We were in class. It was reading time, and it was read to us by like, okay. some teacher. It wasn't our real teacher. It was like a secondary teacher or something. But it was awesome. Speaking of that. Uh, I want to get your opinion on something I've had a, like a debate slash fight on with Anna and some other people. Mm. If you listen to a book on audiobook, do you consider yourself to have read it? So, I mean, the word read is, I guess, a little deceptive, but right. I would consider the knowledge as much gained, if if not more so. I actually do better listening yeah. than reading. I feel like you should just say, I read it with my ears, and then <laughs> everyone will just be like, okay, moving on. And they're just not even going to challenge you. I'm just going to say I read it. And if somebody's like, did you listen to it? I'll be like, yeah. Hmm. And also, fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> Why do you care? <laughs> so what do you do? Both? I do them both. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but an audiobook actually inspired this week's episode because I am currently listening to, yes, listening to, um, the everything store, which is the book about Amazon, like its whole story and history. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking, cause we've been doing this series on starting your own business, entrepreneurship this month. And Jeff Bezos was like the ultimate, like long-term minded, super ultra grow fast kind of guy. And to contrast that, like we had Corbett on the show who is like one of the most, 
I think the biggest embody, embodiments, at least in my circle of online friends, of the lifestyle business, do what you're passionate about for a living and let it give you a good life kind of people. So I've been thinking like there's kind of these two archetypes of business founders, the like super grow fast startup minded founder and then the lifestyle business founder. And it would seem like it would be an easy decision for someone to figure out which one they want to be. But as an entrepreneur, I have gone back and forth on these two models more times than I can probably count. So and I'm guessing maybe you are the same way. I have, and I feel like I've considered myself on either side at various times. But but before like we go there, can you clarify what lifestyle business means? Yeah. So to or me, or at least life- segregate the two. You know. Right. right. Uh, so like basically I consider a lifestyle business to be a business that's more about like, it's like the living, it's like the working to live, not living to work idea Yeah. where your primary value in running your business is to have something that provides you with a good living, provides you with autonomy and freedom, the ability to go work where you want, when you want, like all those personal values. So if I can get a business up to enough recurring revenue that it supports me and my family. And, you know, maybe I'll grow it a little bit because I'm interested in keeping it, you know, competitive. But the primary objective of the business is to make me get a good living and also to help my customers. I consider that to be a lifestyle business. Uh, Let me give you a a scenario. Say um, you didn't have a business and you were starting now uh, and you have the option of A, self, and just say you had 50 Gs sitting around. I don't know. Um, that'd be awesome. But say say you're going to self-fund yourself for, you know, you're going to throw 50 Gs in or 10 or like whatever, whatever the number is that you, you feel that you need to get going. Or you will go externally and find that 50 Gs or that 10 Gs or, or whatever. Um, does one, like, is one a growth-minded approach and another lifestyle? Uh, is it, does it matter? Like, can, can you fund yourself and be negative in the beginning and with the hopes of being profitable, but still be a lifestyle business or have that approach? I think you can. And I think if, if your immediate impulse is to go for funding when you could actually fund yourself, like that particular business is meant to grow and, and just be profitable or just become big soon. Scale. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, actually I have a good example of this. So, and actually this, this might shed some light on some things for people. Um, there's a guy that lives in my college town. Uh, his name's Cactus Jack. That's what he calls himself. That is so cool. He went on shark tank back in 2009 and he had basically like, I hear they take a big cut of your thing. If you I don't get on know the show. what. I don't know what they do. I bet you they do. Even, like, even if would, like you don't get funded, they still take a I cut. would not be surprised if they do. He was on the very first season of Shark Tank. So oh, okay. I don't know so, if they did that back then. Hmm. But yeah, it was the very first season. He was one of the first entrepreneurs that was on it. And uh, he or like an engineer he knew had invented like this push-up machine. So it was going to be in the fitness industry. Um, he went to pitch it to the sharks. And he's a millionaire, like straight up, has hmm. millions of dollars. But he said Before on the show- Before or after like, this push-up machine- before oh, okay. like he's been inventing and selling products since like the 1980s so he is like self-made millionaire and uh they knew this like i think he even said it on the show so the sharks are like why do you want us to fund this why do you need one hundred eighty thousand dollars from us when you could fund this yourself mm-hmm. and he was basically saying like i have put my money into my investments or into my inventions and things time and time again i've been a millionaire i've been broke and I want to grow this product and I want to do it without throwing my own money into the hat this time. So to me, that was like, okay, that just seems like he he wants to take outside money to accelerate the product as fast as possible to reduce the risk on himself and reduce risk. Yeah. Mm. So to me, that seems a little more growth minded because the immediate thought is get outside investment and grow this thing. Mind you, I think it's important to note that the funding in a situation like this is very different than getting a bank loan. Because if you get a bank loan, like the bank is going to get their money back or you got to declare bankruptcy or something. Exactly. Whereas if your startup's funded, uh, you could, 
Yeah. And here's another part of it. Like when you go for funding, you give up control of your company, not all of it, but some amount of control because a lot of, uh, a lot of like venture capital or money that you're going to raise for a startup will come with like an equity stake. Right. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just mean that you're giving a percentage of the company's profits to your investor. It also means a lot of times that they have some control over what you do. So in my mind, like the kind of person who goes for funding is more growth minded because they're willing to give up more control of their business. Whereas a lifestyle entrepreneur is going to be more inclined to keep as much autonomy as possible because they want to be able to make the decisions for their lives that they want to make. And when you have a bunch of investors who now have like a slice of the pie and, and like some skin in the game, you can't do that. You can't just be like, I'm going to go, you know, work on this weird product instead for a few weeks or I'm going to go take a vacation. You know, it's like, no, you have investors to report to. You have a board to report to sometimes if you're big enough. So I, I feel like um, this whole startup growth minded thing is like glamorized. You know, we're, we all read the stories in the news and whatever. And yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't we all want to be Instagram who is like open for a year and sold for like $3 billion or whatever like ridiculous thing happened there? Yeah. Um, but it's definitely the startup fairy tale. Right. I like, mean, I guess it, it has, it is true because it's happened, but it's like the, the pipe dream or something for most startups. And I feel like it's like kind of delusional to think that you would get closer. I mean, maybe you'll, you'll do better or whatever, but I think it's, it's, um, an unrealistic bar to uh, to set. So I think, uh, or actually I think, I know that you set up like a bunch of benefits on in each camp where yeah. there are reasons why I would make sense for you to go growth or lifestyle. And I think that it maybe more aligns to either the idea or you as a person. Right. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and I wanted to lay these out because I think it's important to set your values uh, up front before starting a business, at least think about them. And I think it's important to keep those in mind and to come back and revisit them as you grow through each stage of owning a business from, you know, still funding it and doing a day job to ramen profitable to eventually having enough money coming in that you can quit your job. Mm. So you have to think about like, what is my model? What is my mindset? If you're like a lifestyle person who wants to have a lifestyle business, you have some you have some of those values because like you are, again, you're working to live, not living to work. So you're prioritizing a work-life balance and you have a lot more freedom to do what you want, to pursue your hobbies, to take vacations, to travel, all kinds of stuff like there. Um, and there are a lot of niches out there that you can get involved in that don't require you to be uber growth minded. So if you know you're the lifestyle kind of person that might actually that might actually um, guide your selection of what kind of business to go into. And I just kind of want to maybe color that where we're we're talking mostly about online business this month for for the variety of reasons we discussed. Yeah, and I think having it be online skews much more towards lifestyle than like if, if you had a physical location and you were selling widgets. You know, and you had to show up every day to open the store and sell these widgets. Like, you can't really be in any location. You you can't really take a day off unless you hire someone to open your widget store. So, like, I guess, I guess, I don't know. What I'm trying so to say. I, maybe maybe that maybe that actually switches things up because I'm I'm imagining if you were the kind of person who had a lifestyle mindset who wanted freedom and you decide to open a cupcake shop. Well, number one, maybe that's not the best business to open if you want freedom because that's like a low margin item that takes a lot of volume to to do well in. So you're going to be working really hard. Mm. Um, so I think like I think there's two different types of freedom. There's the type of freedom where you are not doing work for a boss. You're not being told what to do. You're making decisions and running your business the way you want to do but it. You'll get that. And you can do a way. lot of businesses that way. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, so on that on that element um, that is where you want to be careful about taking funding because if you take funding, you lose some of that autonomy, uh, unless sure. you structure the deal in such a way that you keep most of it. But I mean, even if you read, uh, the everything store, like Jeff Bezos is like super duper independent, wants to be the boss of everything, but even he has to make concessions to his team as the, as the company grows and as there's investors and board members and execs and all that kind of stuff. 
So I do want to say that, but there's also the type of freedom where like you want to have more freedom with your time and where you work. So that may also uh, shift your decision of what type of industry to go into as well. A good example of this is CGP Gray, who's a YouTuber who makes educational videos. Um, I listen to his podcast Cortex a lot. And on that show, he's talked about why he became a YouTuber. It wasn't some impulse to make YouTube videos that he always like had a dream to do. He was looking for some sort of business that he could do that would give him a lot more freedom with his time, where he worked, how he worked and that kind of thing. He actually started out trying to do like productivity consulting at first and that didn't work out. Uh, I think he tried like one other thing that didn't work out. And then YouTube was like the third business he tried. And because he had a viral video that was like initial indicator of success. And he went full steam ahead with that. But it was like he, he made the decision based on values, mm. which I think that's like, that's the mark of a lifestyle entrepreneur because it's like I, my value is my time, you know, and my freedom to work how I want to work. I feel like there there's something that has to be added there where um, I feel like the choice between lifestyle or growth minded is like, do you want to be moderately, moderately wealthy eventually and then eventually a little bit more and then hopefully in the future, very wealthy? Or do you just want to like get wealthy now, like mil- tons of millions of dollars, all the millions? And I think that... Uh, it's like it, it might take you four or six years either way to get to the point of like moderately wealthy or like all the millions of dollars, but one will give you 80% more gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Uh, I guess I want to do this episode and maybe maybe like growth minded versus lifestyle minded is not like the only decision to make. Maybe there are a lot of junction points where you're making decisions on like how much money do you want to make? Like you said, do you want to be a millionaire or do you want to be moderately wealthy? You know, mm-hmm. if you want to be moderately wealthy, uh, but also have freedom and the ability to work on your own terms, maybe starting a coffee shop is a great idea, but you can do research online and most of like the expert coffee people in the coffee industry will tell you the grand majority of coffee shop owners don't make more than like a normal wage that like $70,000 a year or something like that. And that's for like working more than full time being in there, making the coffee for the most part, because it's such a low margin item. Very few coffee shops have the opportunity to become very big, you know, okay. To make their owners a lot of money. Super sidetrack this conversation. But I was thinking like, what's the difference between moderately wealthy and like super extremely wealthy, like millions, you know, once you remove, money as like the barrier or the restriction like the thing that uh is is holding you back i I, i'm not quite sure i don't know maybe you need to own a fighter jet i guess i guess that's (laughs) like the guys from google they own fighter jets so like do they yeah sergey they they actually actually, own fighter jets they own a a mig um at, at least one and they they pay like some airport over there to like house it and yeah who I knows think that's fly. the goal. All right. Yep. So there, there's the question. Do you want to own a MIG or not? <laughs> Obviously, yes. are you going to be scrub? You're going to make the next Google, you know, but I, I think it's important to think about this question or these questions when you're starting, but also throughout your entrepreneurial journey journey, because you're not going to, you're going to make a lot of decisions all through the, you know, the whole time. And at each junction point, you're going to have to ask yourself, what do I care about? Do I care about making a ton of money? Do I care about freedom? All that kind of stuff. I've seen a lot of online entrepreneurs who are in one niche that's not related to business switch over to business, Hmm. teaching other people how to do basically what they do. Right. And I think a lot of those people do that because they are at a junction point and they realize I can make more money by going over to the online, like teaching online business. That's like the ultimate irony of the internet. It's like you will actually make more money teaching other people how to build a business than actually building a business yourself. Or I guess you wind up building it through that. It's it's very weird. I think about that a lot. Yeah, I think about that a lot. So, 
Um, anyway, so we were talking about the benefits of mm. both types. I think we kind of went through the lifestyle ones. Another life, a lifestyle one that I wanted to mention is you probably have less of a pressure to work super hard. So you aren't going to face quite as much burnout and potential health problems. Um, Expectations we'll are like huge, especially later. for yourself. But yeah, if you are super growth minded and you're like, I got a 10 X this business in two weeks, I've got an investor hounding me for an ROI. Like there's going to be pressure to put yourself uh, through tons of long hours and to do way too much. And you might burn out. You might have no sleep, all that kind of stuff. So if you're if you're thinking more lifestyle um, minded, then you're going to have less of a risk of that happening. Mm. On the flip side, if you do take a growth mindset, then I think like that mindset puts you in a position where you're less vulnerable to competition because you know intrinsically like if you're not growing you're shrinking and you always have a bead on what else is happening in your industry whereas guess, a lifestyle person might be focused a little bit more on like what do i need to make this month so i can go take this vacation so i can work from the beach mm-hmm. and then that might, it might not be realizing that there's a competitor looming on the horizon or there's some threat that's going to be like detrimental to their business i want to i want to talk about the competitor piece because uh I think that, like, from before people have, like, put ink to paper, you know, they have this idea and they want people to, like, sign an NDA so they could tell them their idea. <laughs> and, and like, it's, like, surprise, creating a business and making an idea reality is, like, a lot of fucking work. Yeah. No one's stealing your idea. And and then to to maybe pull that along the road a little further, I really wonder how often it is that you're building something and you're kind of toiling in this small space when you start that anyone gives a shit or is even going to try and eat your lunch or steal your idea. You know, Mm. when you're Snapchat size, then Facebook's like, oh, we're going to steal your ideas because they're big and they're like billion-dollar companies competing. But when Thomas Frank with his, you know, startup $500 a month business... Does anyone care to to steal? Mm, is it, is it a legit be worry? True, that may be true, uh, and I think that's a useful perspective to have when you're thinking about like, should I tell people my ideas? Like, I wonder like, if it's a waste. Ideas of your... without execution are fucking worthless. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I remember where I was sitting in my cubicle back in 2011. And I had the idea for basically Pinterest in my mm. cubicle. I, had, I drew it out on paper and everything. And I've heard other people online say, I had the idea for Pinterest before it ever came out. And I don't know when Pinterest came out, but I had not heard of it in 2011. So the idea comes to many people. And that's because like, what's the word? Like the zeitgeist? There's, like, there's always like this. We're always in a certain cultural what was, snapshot. What was your time. name for your Pinterest idea? Uh, Bitpack. That's what it was called. It would have yeah. never succeeded. That's the worst. Nope, name. Probably not. Yeah, it, was, it was a terrible idea, and I was just a dumb kid in a cubicle doing no, good. Good idea. Worst name ever. But but yeah, and it wasn't like exactly like Pinterest, but it was very similar. Right. Um. But you know, that's the thing. Like, there's always, as a culture, we're always kind of on like the cusp of a new idea. Mm. Um, most ideas are not like this revolutionary aha moment that a founder has like sitting on a toilet. It's like, and I kind oh, wait, of think- you know what? what if we shipped books to people and they didn't have to go to a bookstore and it's like, Oh, well there's already bookstores out there that are physical and they already do this. What if we could just do it better you know, by getting dude, some better engineers? The, like that's the chances not are revolutionary. The idea that you have, there's probably already a few people working on it that may or may not continue. will give up, will fail. And there probably yeah. have been people who have worked on it and, and just, it didn't work out, you know, like, Pinterest probably false started under like, you know, brilliant names like Bitbucket and stuff for, for, I think, for, I think Bitbucket is a real company. Is it? Wait, what was the name? What was your name? Mine was going to be Bitpack. Bitpack. I'm pretty sure ah, Bit, that's, that's basically like more a clear competitor. I get it because like when you're putting a picture up there, it's like a pack of bits. So, <laughs> Sorry, well, being a my, dick. my idea was that it was going to be like, instead of you having, actually it was, it was kind of like Pinterest because you know, Pinterest has boards that are topical. And then like within the boards, you have all your images. And my idea was that you'd have like a profile 
that would be sort of like your Twitter or your Facebook, but you would set up like you would create your own different topics. So the entire idea was like, I'm Thomas. I'm interested in science and technology. I'm also interested in sea mammals and uh, satanic rituals, you know, and mm. I don't want all of my here. How, here's how you sacrifice your goat. I don't want that article next to my article on like RSA encryption technology. So what if I had little kind of like packs of different mm. topics and then there would just be pictures linking to articles of each one essentially basically what pinterest does these days um uh, never made it but you know that's kind of the idea there how much of it Anyways, did you build i didn't build i drew it i drew it on paper <laughs> and that's all i ever did because it was just an idea and remember ideas are completely worthless uh they're not worthless Derek Sivers put it best, I think. An idea is a multiplier of execution. It has no value on its own. It's like on its own, it's a time zero. But if you take a stellar idea with like bad execution, you know, that's worth something. If you take a stellar idea with amazing execution, like that's where the winners really are. Hmm. But the execution must be there. Um, you know, like name me a company where what they do is like, totally out of left field unheard of the idea is like a revelation from god kind of thing because i can't really think of one like tesla it's cars mm. but they're electric like that was an idea back in the 1910s well i think that's n- not know? to get like too philosophical but i think that if an idea is so revolutionary like people just won't get it and then, you know there's i think there's yes. such a thing as like before it's time where like That's think good. of the apple newton as like this like oh my god like a a handheld computer with an assistant that can like do all these things everyone's like yeah it was like no one got it <laughs> let alone the iphone is basically that just you is know that what the newton was yeah it was like a personal assist it was like basically a personal assistant and like a handheld device mostly a screen you know? Okay. Or maybe yeah. it was like it preceded the Palm Pilot. I think the Palm Pilot is probably closer to. Yeah, I think a lot of yeah, a lot of ideas are ahead of their time, and they're just like they're ideas where the the tech and the infrastructure hasn't caught up yet. So maybe some ideas are outlandish, but it seems like the ones that really work happen to be things that are just kind of like an extension or a refinement of something that's already out there, or maybe a combination of two things or three things that are currently already being done. And somebody combines them and does them a little better. Speaking of which of combining things, if you're listening and you like Thomas's ideas and you also like the green Bay Packers, bitpackers.com is available. (laughs) <laughs> Somebody, but you have is to act like I'm not available. It's, it's not. It's not. Someone's taking it. But if you what act about, like fast, dot bit dot Lee. That's a stupid. That, that name. one's already. There's <laughs> there's bitler dot com b i t l r, and you know how much it costs. That. It costs ninety eight thousand dollars. It's available <laughs> though. <laughs> <laughs> Who is going to buy that? I don't know, but if you do buy it, please email me. Okay, so I think we broke down like some pros cons. I, th- I think did, did we cover? Uh, yeah, is- I think so. I think another, a couple of other things about like the growth mindset. Mm. This is obviously going to be a controversial statement, but I do think like a growth mindset has maybe a. Oh, I read this one and I agree with you of exposing you and connecting you with people who are like really driven and ambitious and motivated and super talented. I'm not going to say like that lifestyle entrepreneurs aren't those things, but it seems like people who are super talented and really ambitious and motivated and smart. A lot of the reason that they are that way is because they work like fucking mad and if you're mm. uber growth minded, I think you're going to be more likely to run to those kind of people. You'll attract similar yeah. people, you know, and if you're all going to just be burning them in that oil, like a hundred hundred fifty percent in, um, and then you need those people, especially if you're going. Yeah. I mean, I like, I'll just say it this way. Like I, hmm. people whose main priority is to like, make sure they can work from a beach or whatever. Like they're cool, but Nine times out of ten, like that kind of person is probably not going to impress you as much as somebody who's like building the next, I don't know, Amazon S3 or something like some crazy thing. Like people who have an insane goal are usually just like insane themselves in a good way. 
and you know, I actually like using the word insane or like crazy or, and I kind of feel that's a good way to describe these people there. Cause they're just so niche yeah. in their personalities and, but okay. So, um, my question to you is whether, whether you go growth or you go lifestyle, um, do you, uh, you could go for external funding when your lifestyle, right? You could sell fund or you could like no fund. Yeah. I'm a um, fan of bootstrapping personally, you know, and I have, so investing have before you make the opportunity money. to take investment money. And currently I, I don't think that I need to do that because I'm able to achieve my goals through the money that I make and I guess I guess that probably puts me more in the camp of lifestyle, at least to a degree, because I think a growth minded person might look at that investment opportunity and be like, I think they would immediately see where I could plug those resources in to accelerate growth. Whereas well, let like, me ask that, you this. That represents me having less control over my company. Dude, what what if you just go like, hey, Uncle Jimmy, I just need to borrow a hundred thousand dollars real quick for my business. Like, does that mean that you're growth because you went to Uncle Jimmy, or you know, is is it the type of money that you get that determines? I think it is. I think I it is know, primarily your mindset, but the decisions you make are going to have consequences on the level of freedom you have in your business. Even if Uncle Jimmy doesn't ask you for equity. Like you owe Uncle Jimmy a hundred bucks or hundred thousand dollars now, you know. Mm. And like when people are owed money, they feel a certain amount of power over you. And I think you're gonna feel a certain debt to that person. So maybe you feel guilty and you won't take that trip, even though your business is doing just fine, because now you have to pay back Uncle Jimmy, you know. And when you started, Thomas, did you did you put money into your business? Uh, no, I I've never had a business where I like have to formally like put money into the war chest to do something with because my business was just a blog at first. So really all it ever needed was for me to be alive and able to pay for the hosting, which was like twenty five dollars a month. Uh, and even that was free, actually. Cause I had, I built websites mm. for clients back in high school. So I guess, okay, that was my first business building websites for clients back in high school. I had a laptop. I had gas in my car. No monetary investment was needed. I basically just had to find clients, go make them websites, which just took my time and knowledge and get paid. So let's, let's pick a fantasy world where everything is oh, gone you you retain all the things that you know or maybe like 80% of the things you know and you have no job, you have no income and you need to, I guess, build a business. Would you seek funding knowing that you have some knowledge of the space and you could probably like um, expedite growth or would you just kind of start working the first month, make 50 or $100 you know, and go that way? I don't think this is a fair question to ask because I, I honestly Dude, believe like I'm, I'm half of the show. Okay, I say it's no, fair and I'll tell you why it's not fair. Mm. Um, I think that it is like just like nature versus nurture is like a thing. Mm. I think that given any individual, their propensity to be lifestyle minded or growth minded is partly who they are as a person, but also partly what they're trying to do and why they're doing it. Um, Tony Robbins has a saying where he talks about like, you want to be pulled by what you're doing. So that way you don't have to push yourself too hard. So when you care so fucking much about achieving something, whether it's because you care so much about your customer base or you care so much about the idea because you're a visionary, you're probably going to be pulled by just your desire to see that thing become a reality. Um, that you may do things that are like growth minded instead of lifestyle minded. But if you don't have something like that, when the work is maybe more of a means to an end and the end is your freedom or your control over your life, then you're likely to be more lifestyle, you know? So like, I think even if I'm probably like internally a lifestyle person, uh, in a vacuum, 
something may come along where I'm like, that is so cool. And I'm so into that, that I'm going to go growth minded. So if you put me, so that's why this isn't fair. If you just like take everything away, my entire business is erased from the face of the planet. I have no job. I have no money left over. My base configuration as a human being is to be lifestyle minded. I want freedom and autonomy and the ability to make my own decisions. So, so I would not go. Does that funding. mean that you- I would use my expertise, Even I would use my expertise and knowledge to go do something for someone to establish a baseline income and start building from there. But what about self-funding? You're saying Thomas? I have no money. Oh, okay. So fine. So say, say <laughs> that so when you yes, have I no self-fund because that's, that's okay, my so resources no, so and you, yes, you because I'm then. utilizing my own resources and if you have $5,000 to your name, would you put that in? Would you put in a thousand or would you then not put anything in because, think, you know, it's not enough. I think we need context like, here, you know, if I had, I, I guess I'm trying to like add like slowly layers of context. Now, if you're saying like, um, Thomas, you have no job, no company, you have $5,000 to your name and all of a sudden you have identified an opportunity that you're both passionate about and you think has the potential to be successful, then yes, I may go all in on that. Uh, and I, mm. That also comes from a, a point of me knowing I have family I could fall back on if I needed to. I have expertise that I could go get a job if I needed to. Like I would not die on the street if I had zero dollars in the bank. So, so if you had like a family of so yes, 10 if I had a family and, like 40, and I was forty and I had people to support, uh, it would have to be a pretty damn good idea that I was super gung ho about and like almost guaranteed to know it would would win for me to put all $5,000 in there because now I've got <laughs> what, what if I told you about this idea I had called BitPacker? <laughs> I would say you might be uh, about six years late to the game on that one. Oh, but yours is different because it's, it's got an Shit. ER on the end. What if we call it? What do we call it? BitPacker. <laughs> wow. That's such a bad, I'm sorry. It's only $98,000. I, I think we could do it. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> God, Thomas, couldn't, couldn't your Pinterest idea have had at least like a mediocre name? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just go with the first name that comes to mind. Uh, College Info Geek was going to be College Beat, and then that was taken. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'm a management information systems man major. How about College Info Geek? Okay, that sounds good. And then like for the next three years, I kicked myself because I was like, man, every good company has a short, easy to remember name like Apple, Samsung, Nike. And I have this like 15 syllable business name with three words. (laughs) Uh, And then I've kind of realized that like people don't care that much. People kind of put stock into what you are. I don't know. Like I guess the name does matter. For instance, um, Amazon.com was originally going to be cadabra.com to like conjure like magic things. But over the phone, people kept hearing Mm. cadaver.com. So they were like, maybe that's not the best one right there. Yeah. And then (laughs) uh, the guys who founded Barnes and Noble, when they met with Amazon, they were like, I think they wanted to like buy Amazon or something. And Amazon was like, no. And they were basically saying like, we're going to create our own online presence and crush you guys. Apparently, the founders, or at least one of them, of Barnes & Noble, wanted to name their website Book Predator. (laughs) Yes! Oh my god, that is... Is that available? Which is like... No, I'm sure they probably own it, just don't (laughs) use it. But that's like the most... When you hear about the kind of guys they are, they're like really you know aggressive new york or new jersey guys who always wear like really expensive suits like that makes sense for them mm. but book predator oh is my a God. horrible name for a website it's like that conjures all the worst images are you going to it oh uh, no i just searched <laughs> moneypredator.com is available and i'm Fair buying fire. it right now <laughs> I'm buying it so when you go to moneypredator.com it just like redirects listen money matters I think that's an is important it? branding move that is I'm that making actually- <laughs> it's for a future pivot that I am not yet aware I of I think like using the name um, of an animal will be better but just predator it's like terrible like oh my god money tiger, predator like that could tiger, be such a or like I don't know book hippo or something That'd be, that's kind of fun and then you can have a nice mascot but book predator like 
I don't even know. It's terrible. But anyway, the, the yeah, the name doesn't matter. Uh, I, I just want to say seriously, if you're listening to this episode, go to moneypredator.com. Are you actually it, buying it's gonna it? Redirect. I'm actually, it's only eleven ninety nine, dude. It's totally on. worth it. For an arbitrary joke that will only be funny for like eight <laughs> seconds, definitely worth it. You need to code it so that when it uh, when it redirects to listen money matters, there's like a velociraptor that goes across the screen or something. <laughs> Just like eating, I don't know, something like a house like that. or something. Yeah. yeah, there needs to be some sort of like weird JavaScript thing where the redirect makes a velociraptor show up. I, I, will I will have put to put my stamp of approval on your stupid domain purchase if you do that. Otherwise, thumbs down Deal. from me on Money Predator. Of all the important things for me to do with my time, it is obviously improving the branding of Money yeah. Predator. Do you have money? I'm going to be that a predator for it. <laughs> okay, you, dude. So, so I was. That's why I said your exercise or your mental thing was unfair because. I think it is uh, it is both the person but also the idea and the circumstances of the person. Like you said, if I had a family, I'm not going to go all in with every dime I have because I don't want my family to die, you know? I will say – okay, fine. So an unfair example and my, my example was not that. But I think that if you could afford it and we've I think we've said as much in the past or, or you've, you've especially said that – uh, you feel the best investment that you can make ROI wise is on you based on just your past and whatever me. you've done. You know that if you me or my business. Hmm? Yes. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I mean. And so like going down that vein where it's like, do you seek funding from yourself or, you know, uncle Richie or whatever? Um, and then like, would you be willing to be profitable like, like, must you be profitable from day one? But if you're not, is it important to set like a, a, a date or something? Or, or if like you don't, if you're not profitable or you don't set a date, are you, are you growth minded? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think that depends, uh, very much on what you're doing. Like if you're starting a cupcake shop, then profit is probably going to be the number one metric that you live and die by. But if you're starting a company where you're building an app that lets people take pictures of their coffee and share it with other coffee people who also have corgis, I don't know. I'm I just these ideas come off the top of my head, man. And if Snapchat <laughs> works, then coffee and corgis.io probably works too. Um then th there are definitely business models out there where revenue matters more or uh, adoption rate and growth matters more because if you can build an idea where there's a lot of steam behind it, there's a lot of promise, investors see a lot of potential, then investment money can potentially keep you guys running but for quite a long time um, before you need to be profitable. For example, YouTube has never been is, profitable. The thing is – and like Amazon. Dude, Thomas, you're never going to start your idea if you don't think that it's promising. Like but if I mean, you're like, about to start a business and you're pretty sure it's not promising, don't do it. But there's like it. different like, degrees of promising. Like a, like a cupcake shop is probably promising if, I mean, you know, you do the analysis. There's no other cupcake shops in the area and there's like 50 people outside going, God damn it. I wish I could have a cupcake right now. These stupid donuts are terrible. You know, that's a. Everyone yeah. has diabetes exactly. and like the, uh, you know, all you have in your town is this stupid salad shop and you're like, these people need diabetes. cupcakes in their lives. That is a promising idea, but it is not an idea that is likely to yield like a hundred X return. So you live and die by your profits on that because nobody's ever going to come in and invest a zillion dollars in you. So you shouldn't invest as if that would be the case. I guess yeah. You got to think saying. about your profitability like, in that case. Whereas if you're if you're building an app that I, you're you know you're thinking this is going to be acquired or this is going to be huge and like I can I can get tons of investment money here, then your profitability at least up front matters less than how many people can you get using your app or how many customers can you get how much you revenue know, can you get coming in even if like in Uber's case you're burning more money paying your drivers because you need to eat up the market before you think about profitability like Uber can't afford to think about profitability because. They need to think about there's Didi and 
Quidy and fucking Lyft and whatever. And they have to take we critical have mass. to get the biggest piece of the pie we can because eventually, like, people are only going to have one rideshare app on their phone. If we're worried about profit from day one, we'll never be out of one city. You know, if they would have worried about profit mm. from day one, they would have been stuck in San Francisco. But now they're in wherever, True. China, everywhere, pretty much, because they took investment and basically burned that cash at a ridiculous rate to pay their drivers more. Uh, and, you know, now that they have that market rate and love them or hate them, and I'm inclined to, like, hate them for many reasons, they are now treating their drivers less well and paying them less and doing all these things because now they're like, all right, now we've gotten the market share. Uh, we have less to worry about on some certain fronts so we can start to think about maybe recouping that investment to some degree. I feel like we've been doing this episode for 10 hundred years. Mm. That's maybe not true. But uh, before we end it, I wanted to give people some some things to think about regardless of what business model they adopt. So if you're the kind of person who's sitting there want to start a business or have started a business already and you're like, I'm more lifestyle oriented. I care more about my autonomy and freedom than I do about growing to the moon super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think you should adopt the growth minded love of systemization and delegation, efficiency, automation, figure out what you can turn into a process, what you can make as efficient as possible, and then possibly even delegate. Um, I was like super against delegation and bringing help on for a really long time. But ever since I did it, I've been a happier person. Like Anna does the thumbnails for my podcast episodes. Kayla does, um, she does a lot of YouTube backend work for me. She basically manages all the due dates for Anna and Martin to get things edited. And I pay her like, I don't know, not that much every single month. And it just like takes a lot of the headache away from me. So even if you're lifestyle minded, don't shy away from seeing what you can do to make your processes more efficient, even if it comes down to bringing on a freelancer or two. Mm. Um, Also, make it a priority to stay on top of your industry and be on the lookout for threats to your business model. And make sure that you're staying ahead of the competition, at least in whatever degree is going to keep you relevant. Because the growth-minded people know this. If you're not growing, you're shrinking because there's always somebody out there trying to eat your lunch. Maybe they're not like hiding in the bushes at your house trying to overhear your idea so they can go take it. But That's why you need to be an apex predator. Hashtag moneypredator.com. I'm not (laughs) not even doing this. But no, seriously, like Mm. there are other personal finance podcasts out there. Like J. David Stein wasn't podcasting when we started, or I guess when you and Matt started, and mm. then he did, and his show is probably just as big as ours now, you know? And like we consider him a friend, and in the media business, like you kind of collaborate with your competitors a lot. But the fact of the matter remains, there's probably people out there listening to him and not listening to us because they have a limited amount of time during the day. Yeah. So like don't think of your competition as like you have to beat them and crush them into the ground, but Use them to keep yourself uh, motivated to improve. Mm. Like they should keep you on your toes, both to not be crushed by them, but also to not stagnate yourself. I've read a lot of reports from people online who's, who are like, I had a business that basically made me money, like printed money for a while, and then all of a sudden it went away, and now I'm back at a desk job. You know, mm. like people who back in 2010 or 2009, we're able to basically game Google's algorithm and spin up all these sites that made money. And then all of a sudden overnight, bam, algorithm change, totally out of business. Um, one thing I always have liked about Ramit Sethi, and I don't like everything about how he does his business, but he's he's always made it very clear that he doesn't want to be one of those one hit online wonders. He wants to build a sustainable business that makes a lot of money over time. And that's why he's always building new products. I always admired that attitude. I never wanted to be the kind of person who made like one thing that made money and then just kind of like rested on my laurels because of it. You should always be pushing yourself no matter how good things are. Um, if for no now, other for, reason to keep yourself sharp. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially if you're doing stuff online, there's always something that is nipping at your heels and kind of like taking something from the edges of what you have. Now, if you're a growth person, first and foremost, remember that you are a human being made of meat that gets tired and needs food and needs to go outside every once in a while. Speak for so yourself. Really- <laughs> yeah, maybe Andrew's not. Andrew's the money predator. He's probably like half money cyborg. I only go I'm out at night. So many domains. Money cyborg, money ninja. Actually, I guarantee you money ninja's already taken. 
But uh, now you're looking, aren't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I must look. Even if you're growth-minded, even if you feel a lot of pressure to be 100% on your business, you have to realize that your efficiency is a product of your health. So if you let your health go to crap, you're going to burn out and you're not going to get much done because you're going to be tired and sleep deprived and unable to do much work. So get outside, um, keep your relationships like your, your parents and your girlfriend and your friends like happy, at least to some degree. Otherwise, what's the point of it all? Like, even if you do, even if you do make an amazing business, I don't know. I've never wanted to be someone like, I look at someone like Steve Jobs and it's like, yeah, he did some amazing things, but he like sacrificed a lot in his personal life. And I would never want to be that. And it took him like 20 years to actually be the huge success. You know, mm-hmm. he was like a success, then got kicked out of his company and it was, you know, it was tough. Um, yeah. Uh, a few other things I wanted to say. So like the lifestyle entrepreneur, I think they're going to be a little more focused on the hard numbers and the realism because mm-hmm. they are more focused on what does it take to keep me free of the desk job? Right. Whereas if you're growth minded, it's more likely that you're enamored with a certain idea. You're probably very optimistic about the growth potential and you can be a little bit more pie in the sky about things. So I recently read a blog post from the, uh, the founder of bear metrics where he was talking about, I love like, them. He was, he was like the free spirit guy and, uh, he had, you know, he had bootstrapped the company up to like $20,000 per month in revenue. Then he got some investment and he was like, you know what we can do with this investment? Hire tons of people because obviously when you hire more people, you grow faster. And then all of a sudden he realized he was in a situation where like within eight weeks, the company would be underwater. So they had to like force everyone to take a pay cut right away. And at that moment, he basically like realized I need a nerd in my life. Like, so if you're the growth minded person, you either need to like cultivate a nerdy analytical side who takes a hard look at the numbers and is realistic about things. Like a money predator. (sighs) Too soon? Too much? (laughs) Fine, fine. Money nerd. We'll stick with the money money nerd. You need a money predator. trying to brand this thing, dude. (laughs) This is brand. You're going to say it. (laughs) Every sentence. Exposed to an idea seven times before they'll really just, you know, accept it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Um, but if you're not that person, then you need to get somebody on your team who is. Now, I consider myself to be a money nerd, and I'm pretty analytical about my business. Andrew knows this. I'm like very like I'm like a hawk, which is a predator, about all my numbers. <laughs> yes, going on. Um, but if you're speaking not speaking, which you're so analytical that you actually are doing data collection that we'll be sharing in a later episode this month uh, in pricing and stuff. Oh yes, we are doing that. Which yep. which is I find fat. We didn't even we didn't even do the full analysis yet, and I already find it fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so, listen, money matters is a lifestyle business, and that was the goal from the beginning. Even oh, I totally, though, absolutely. You, college and Fuji as well, yeah. Um, I feel a little bit more in between with College Info Geek. Because I, I do want, like, my goal for 2017 is to get to a million subscribers. Like, I have some pretty big ambitions. But, like but I thought growth mindset things. was not, it's not like lifestyle is like, I don't need to grow. But I thought growth was growth at all costs. Lifestyle was. I think it's a spectrum. You know, I don't think anything is binary. And I think, like, it is a spectrum. So what I wanted to do was kind of, like, illuminate that spectrum. Kind of, like, talk about the polar sides, the opposites. And then, like help people decide where they are and what to think about depending on where they land. But I, I think that you are a little more on the lifestyle side than I am. So I think, I think the gist of it is that there are two camps and you could be, you'd be firmly in one camp or the other, um, or more likely you could be some gradient in between, but, but it's important to know what you are or what you want Yes. Because um, if you're waffling all over the place, uh, I think that would be bad for business. You need to yeah. take an approach, and where you know, do you stand is going to guide your decisions. Yeah, you know, and I whoever think- the clients are of your business will feel it. If you're here yeah. and there, and your growth and your life, you know, you're pulling back and you're you're leaning in, and 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 there is no wrong decision. 
Um, you you do your thing full time, and your growth in your YouTube channel and and everything is definitely uh, as a result of the amount of time you put in. Um, this is why matters. I put between maybe in the beginning four hours a week up till twenty sometimes sometimes zero because I'm just burnt yeah. over four years. It's a multiple of my day job in terms of income. So like you don't have to like compromise on all the things you pick lifestyle, you know, in terms of like growing your income. You don't have to compromise on a life if you grow growth minded. You know, I think Thomas, you do a lot of cool stuff not related to your business. Yeah. And look, I think the the big takeaway from this and we've been like I, I think I think the horse is dead and it's almost into like a pulp like like it's status. It's a skeleton now. <laughs> it's uh, it's powder, um, but I th- I think the 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 big takeaway is that there's this huge um, gradient range of approaches to the business, and all of them can make money. Yeah. And so, like the I can't because I don't have time, or if I do it, it needs to grow quickly to, you know, block. like those are just cop outs. Mm. There, there, there is a path like on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. And I think there are people you can look to at each end of the spectrum and in between as people whose footsteps you can follow into a degree. You don't have to look just at Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs and all the people doing huge, crazy startups as your only model, you know. You could have the person in your community who runs a cupcake shop or you could have the person who's built a pretty good, nice little online business, but it's lifestyle based. They could be your inspiration. Boom. Yeah. And I just want to drop a shameless plug. Um, If you like what I do and you want more of me, just head over to (laughs) moneypredator.com. Oh my god! I almost don't want to do the outro after that. I just wanted to like end on that. <laughs> <laughs> just like, why am right. I here? It is Friday, so what I want to ask you mm. is: Are you going to go out and have some fun with Laura, or are you going to stay up all night coding stupid money cutter? <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, I have two weeks to code it. Um, oh, and that's true. <laughs> we actually have dinner plans at eight, so in four hours from okay. now. So from between now and then, I will shower. I am very unshowered. My beard is very unkempt, <laughs> but I'll be presentable. My beard is very kempt. Yes, and your hair? Yeah. You've changed your... So can people find you on Instagram and check out your new haircut? Uh, there will be a video on the channel by the time this episode goes live. So whatever the newest video is, I guess you'll see my new hair. So if you if are you as concerned about, about Thomas's hair as I am, you should go to his channel <laughs> and take a look. Just yeah, moneypredator.com. You know, like, you know that guy from Painkiller? Yeah, it looks like that. Just, like spikes everywhere, you know? <laughs> all right. Uh, resources, tools, apps, books, all of our favorite stuff. You can find that over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So definitely go check all that stuff out if you want to become a money predator yourself. <laughs> 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 and you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com or I guess andrew at moneypredator.com. Either one. If you have questions, if you have stuff you'd want us to talk about on this show, if you think we're just dirt bags and you want to tell us you hate us, whatever. Um, both of those email addresses work. Mm-hmm. And I'm serious about those those photoshops. This is what, what I need in my life right now. The photoshops. Of what? I just need to see like your face on an oh, osprey. Yes. Or you know? That would be pretty or, like cool. a killer whale. With like your head on the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you just draw it on like a piece of paper, like a five-year-old and take a photo. That's uh, even better. We we will like digitize and animate it. And it'll look as bad as your drawing. Um, (laughs) Guaranteed. Or your money back. Page. (laughs) (laughs) It will look terrible. Or my name isn't Money Predator. uh, And we're doing... We're doing... I should tell them about Pro, right? Because you're making some additions to that. Oh, my God, dude. Pro is blowing up right now. Update me and update the people. So um, we've tightened it majorly um, all around. Uh, you can go to pro.listenmymatters.com. You can um, 
research and analyze rental properties and the overwhelming response is holy shit this is awesome there's nothing like this out there and it is true and by the time this goes live it is highly highly likely that we have this wicked wicked projections page up to help you see like what you know your income and just the total value of a profit would be over like x time period um Sweet. yeah it's all right yeah well until uh, the next episode which i'm guessing is monetization Um, Is that the order we're doing this in? Cool. So we'll talk about spreadsheets and nerd stuff next week. Until then, we will see you guys later. Later, man. Later. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 